We continue our series on simplicity. This is the second, and I've, I've called this one Less Stuff. And the first passage to read is from Matthew chapter 6. It's a well-known passage, but Matthew six nineteen. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. And he means no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Matthew 6. And then a second passage that uh, I think is just pertinent in the light of what we're looking at in terms of simplicity. It's Philippians 4. And it's a passage that became special to Gail and I. We were over in the UK in the mid-80s. I came for a job interview and the Assembly of God had organized a, um, a whole trip all over the country preaching in different places. We had landed in the country with about 10 pounds in our pocket. So there were days when we didn't have anything to eat or drink and we jokingly made this our verse for the holiday. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living with plenty or want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And I think that's the point that Paul is making here. It's not that he has self-sufficiency, but he has sufficiency in the strength that God gives him, because God is the one who strengthens him to live contentedly through all the different various circumstances of life. So, Matthew 6, Philippians 4. Now, let me start by telling you a story. In 2015, James Wallman wrote a book called Stuffication, Living More with Less. And I think there was a play on the things of stuff and suffocation, because essentially that's what comes out as you read the book. About a year later, Time magazine followed up with a lead article on society and what was happening. And they quote uh, him, they quote, um, what was her name, Mary Kondo, who was this tidying up guru. And uh, then they look at the whole millenn uh, minimalist kind of movement that had started at that stage. In the book, James Mormon quotes a chap called Graham Hill now. Let me tell you about Graham Hill. In his own words, Graham uh, was a serial entre entrepreneur. He, even today, he's busy setting up websites, starting stuff, seeing how they go. But in the late 90s, 
he had an internet startup company called SiteWorks, which he sold for a huge amount of money. I think it was around about $10 million in those days. And flush with cash, he, he started, he bought himself a giant house and then he crammed it with stuff, electronics, cars, appliance, gadgets, pictures, carpets, everything you could think of. Um, he bought the couch he'd always wanted. And then he wrote this. He said, somehow this stuff ended up running my life. The things I consumed ended up consuming me. He said, his circumstances, he goes on to say, are unusual in that he had so much money in his early 30s. But his relationship to material things, to stuff, wasn't unusual. And he goes on to say this, there isn't any indication that any of these things makes anyone happier. In fact, it seems that the reverse might be true. And actually in the Times article, they quote a, uh, a professor, um, Och, from um, UCLA, who says in terms of all the stuff, the possessions that people were, were, were getting, not making them happier, she said, stuff can actually lead to higher levels of anxiety. These objects that we bring into our house are not inert. They have consequences. And part of her study was showing, uh, this is now about 10 years ago, that 17 to 20% of the American population suffered with some form of anxiety. Now, we'll come back to that in a minute, but back to Graham Hill. He said it took him about 15 years to get over all the stuff that had accumulated in his life. And it started in 1998 in Seattle, um, where he got to the stage where he actually had a personal shopper because he didn't have time. He had all this stuff going on. He didn't have time. And he was just buying more and more and more of this stuff. He moved to New York and then he got more and more stuff. In New York, he met a Spanish woman who changed his life. And he found that his life was, as he said, unnecessarily complicated. And he said the stuff that he had didn't end up making him feel any better. It just, he was always worried about something or other. And he mostly worried about who he had become. And he goes on to say, and his story is quite uh, a long one, but he ends up basically selling everything and the thing that brought him to prominence was that he actually now lives in a 420-foot apartment in New York where he's got absolutely everything that he owns. And he ended up by saying this, and I, I, I quote again from him, Intuitively, we know that the best stuff in life isn't stuff at all, and that relationships, experiences, and meaningful work are the staples of a happy life. Now, don't forget, he's not coming at this from the angle of God or spirituality or faith in any kind of way. But he's one among many who feel intuitively that there's something wrong with the way that our society is structured, that the way life is ordered, the way that we, in a way, have uncritically just accepted, even within the church. There's even the whole prosperity gospel that the more you have, the better it is. Let me quote you one other thing. Here is a guy who is an economist, and let me just read this, named Victor Lebeau. It's quite a long quote, but it's worth reading because it, it sort of frames what I'm trying to say. Our enormously productive economy demands that we make consumption our way of life, that we convert the buying and use of goods into rituals, 
that we seek our spiritual satisfactions, our ego satisfactions, in consumption. We need things consumed, burned up, worn out, replaced, discarded at an ever-increasing pace. We need to have people eat, drink, drive, ride, live with ever more complicated and therefore constantly more expensive consumption. Now, it might shock you to know that that was written in 1955 before I was even born. It's a long time ago. It's not got better. There's this whole sense of... Um, as um, where was I looking here? Jean Baudelaire also said this. He's a French sociologist. He says that materialism and consumerism is the new dom dominant system of meaning in Western culture. And he goes on to say, it's not atheism and agnosticism hasn't um, replaced Christianity. In bold type, he says, shopping has, consuming more has replaced Christianity as a dominant system for us to live in. And it, this is the backdrop that we live in a daily sense. When we start talking about simplicity, a life of simplicity sets us free from the idolatry of our current society. Paul says, I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I have learned to be content. And I think the sense of contentment, of trusting that God gives us strength, both in the good times and in the bad times, to be content with where we are. Now, let's take a step back. Let's look at what Jesus had to say. Just a couple of verses, and I'm not going to worry about context or go into the background. I just want to give you a feel of these things. He says in Luke 12, 15, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Oh, wow, it was before 1955. It was actually 2,000 years ago that he said that. And it's for a good reason that in the Catholic tradition, the three of the seven deadly sins are greed, lust, envy, and gluttony. Now, that's something to stop and think about for a second. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Or what about this one? It's Luke twelve thirty three. further on. Um, Sell all your possessions and give to the poor. We, we know who he says that to. Or this one. Do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is life not more than food and the body not more than clothes? Seek first God's kingdom. Matthew 6. Um, and we looked at that last week. Here's another one. Mark 4.14 The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now we looked at that in the context last week of the seed that is sown in our lives. But it's interesting saying that the nature of wealth is that it's deceitful. It promises one thing, but it doesn't deliver. It has a suffocating effect on the soil of our life, if you, if you like. It helps us. It, it doesn't allow us to breathe, to live freely. And then this one, Matthew 19, verse 24. I get, again, I tell you, 
it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And going back a few weeks, remember I said, we can't point a finger and say someone else is rich. We, we in our culture, are virtually all of us in the category of the rich. And what it's saying is this. It's harder to experience the life of God's rule, of God's pleasure, of his kingdom. Not easier when we've got all that. Now, at the very least, this should make us sit up and take notice. If these are the kind of things that Jesus is saying 2,000 years ago, how much more shouldn't we be on our guard when it comes to the stuff that we're talking about? Going back to Jean Beaurelard, I can hardly say his name, the French sociologist about materialism and consumerism being the dominant system. In, in essence, um, this is really what it looks like now. Shop, shopping has become the number one leisure activity, usurping the place held by religion years ago. Amazon and various different shops are the new temple. And someone said, the visa statement is the new altar, double-clicking is the new liturgy, and lifestyle bloggers are the new priests and priestesses with this money as our God. You see, when Jesus names money, the mammon in, in Matthew 6, 24, he's, he, he calls out the one thing that actually, classically and clearly, takes over. So what if Jesus is right? What if what he says is actually true? If he knew exactly what he was talking about? If, if what we've just read is something that we put into practice in our own lives? How would it look? The, these statements are in essence about how the world actually works and when we go against them that's when we get our splinters and if you think about it here's the thing that he said also um, acts 20 verse 35 he's quoted as saying it is more blessed to give than to receive but that's been inverted and turned on its head in our society if we want to live lives that are free where we can breathe then we need to simplify our lives and not be cluttered with all the stuff that we have. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. It's not that you shouldn't. It says, you cannot serve both God and money. And he says, life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. So, let me just ask this. What if we ask these questions for ourselves? What if these were some of the things that we actually put on the table for ourselves to consider in terms of our lives? And it might be more radical for some than for others. It's like Paul writing and saying, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances. All our circumstances are different. What if the formula... More stuff equals more happiness is not actually true. It's just bad maths. What if more stuff often just means more stress, more anxiety, more hours at the office, more debt, more years in the job I don't want, more wasted time cleaning things, organizing things, updating things, clutter? What if 
more stuff actually equals less of what matters most. And that's the big one. Less time, less freedom, less generosity, uh, less real joy, less peace. And we hurry through life um, with less focus about what is meaningful and creative, like our relationships, our own uh, devotional life, various other things. And what if we were to reject the kind of messaging that we get from our culture as half-truth at best and live with another message? The message that Jesus gives us, the message that Jesus sends us. So, as we end, let me just look at this here and say to you again, as we read through these uh, verses from Matthew chapter 6. And interestingly, the Sermon on the Mount has a huge amount to do with money and various uh, things like that. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and their thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What about putting your life into things that matter, your relationship with God, your life in the kingdom, your family, loving, caring, generosity? Because where you put your resources, your time, your energy, your money, your attention, that's where your heart is. That's the steering wheel in the engine of the desire of your life. And then he goes on to say, the eye of the lamp, the eye of the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So what do the eyes have to do with this all of a sudden? Well, here's the thing. In terms of um, the idiom of Jesus' day, it meant two things. One, it meant focus. Focus on living with intentional um, uh, values, choosing what you want. Um, and then also an eye on the poor, being generous. You looked at the world and you, you saw those who had need and you made your best effort to help out. And then he takes it over the finish line. No one can serve two masters. No one. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Again, it's not you should not. It's you cannot. And overconsumption, the material world that we live in, the stuff that we have, the focus on all of this is simply a way to inhibit the, the joy and the freedom that we are intended to live as Christians. The two are mutually exclusive. You have to pick. Therefore, he says in Matthew 6 verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. As a result of all the things that he's just said, that's what that therefore is there for. It's the key. It pulls it all together. He's basically talking about worry, anxiety. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning with these anthropologists, sociologists, all these researchers finding out that with all the stuff that's increasing, the levels of anxiety just grows. And that's the basic point. What we worry about is what we worship. If you worship money, it'll eat you alive. There's no question about that. And so as we come uh, to the second part of this, about 
uh, less stuff, as I've called it. Here's a couple of questions to, to consider. What stuff clutters your life? What stuff um, causes you to be um, shackled? And um, there may not be things, actually, but it may be, it may be a whole lot of stuff. What is, what is the stuff that clutters your life? How can you simplify your life? And how can I live with less? I have learned, says Paul, to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in, because God gives me the strength. I pray that God gives us the strength to live lives of simplicity in a complex world of consumption. See you on Sunday.